ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! What's going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of Close to the Wall. I'm your host, Gage Sutton, here with my three awesome co-hosts. Call it Harris. I am Jacob Barumi. And I'm Chris Santiago. And we got our staff right here of the KTSW Sports crew here to talk about and break down everything you need to know about Texas State and San Marcos High School sports. So guys, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the baseball team. It's been a while since we've had an episode, but I think we need to cover the baseball team. Their season wrapped up and... Um, well, wasn't really the season we were expecting from them finishing with a 21 and 36 overall record and um, having their postseason hopes cut short after their loss uh, to Louisiana and Appalachian State in the Sunbelt Conference Championship Tournament. So, guys, I told you all to kind of come here, bring me your thoughts about Texas State baseball and how the end of their season went and stuff like that. So, uh, Chris, let's start with you, man. How do you think the season went for the Bobcats and what do you think they could do to improve? Um, so season wasn't as, as well as everybody hoped for. I mean, in the preseason, preseason rankings, they were number one, they were projected to be number one in the West division. Um, same thing with Coastal Carolina. And unfortunately they ended up going nine and 15, which is dead last and Coastal Carolina as well ended up dead last. So um, as you can tell the teams that, we're projected to be number one, ended up being the worst teams. Um, hopefully next year, I mean, with all the seniors that are leaving and graduate seniors as well, um, it, it, it's going to be a completely different team. So you're going to have to expect, you know, freshmen, now freshmen that were last year freshmen um, to step it up and same thing with juniors. So, I mean, let's hope, you know, the, the bullpen is better than, than last year and let's hope the, the bats as well. Yeah, it seems like the the story of this season from all the people I've spoken to is high hopes coming into it and then low results at the end of it. A lot of people came in really excited from what I heard and they left disappointed. It was very underwhelming. They finished the season with nine straight losses, which before that losing streak, I feel like there was still a chance maybe towards the end of the season to pick it up. But um, I believe the two series towards the beginning of the year where they got swept by Little Rock and Sacramento State just didn't expect those teams to really compete or even really sweep us that early in the season. But I felt like after those two series, it kind of set the tone for a overall underwhelming season. Yeah, and I think underwhelming is the right word. Oh, did you have something to say, man? Yeah, it seems like uh, a lot of uh, people going into the season were thinking uh, the end of the season is going to be sad, losing a lot of the seniors. But it seems like it's going to be a fresh start and more of a positive thing than uh, more people thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that, Khaled. I mean, you know, one of the things that I think about this team overall is that I think they're coached very well. I think Coach Trout came in and did a, and did a great job with there's been so much change in this organization, not just 
personnel wise, but also you see they started the second season with Coach Trout at the helm with COVID and they didn't even get a first season done with Coach Trout. Um, so right now they're going to, you know, they got to face more adversity, but I really don't think this is a team that it, it was under. It, it was an underwhelming team, but it wasn't as bad as people said it was. There were a lot of games that were standout to me that said, okay, this is a baseball team that can win very near, very close in the future. Um, they had wins against TCU. They had wins against Rice. They had wins against BYU. I mean, the list just goes on. They beat some good baseball teams this season. And although it didn't really translate to, you know, some of the games that they should have won this season, I think they're in a good position moving forward. They're not in you know, the bottom of the division. And I think that this is going to be a team that's going to be improved next year. If not, probably going to have a very fairly similar record. Yeah. I also just want to point out, I felt like a big bright spot coming into this year that, you know, we'd expect him to be good, but not really the best on the team. In my opinion is uh junior Justin Thompson. He, uh, his at the plate, he was incredible and led the team in batting average hits and RBIs. I felt like he took on a good leadership role this year. And um, I felt like that was one of the biggest bright spots that I saw watching them this past season. Yeah. Justin Thompson was one of those guys who I think really stepped up for the Bobcats. And that's one of the big stories that I'm coming into in terms of their play coming into the off season is they need to take advantage of their opportunities um, there were a lot of times during the games where I would be watching or listening and they would wrap or they would have the bases loaded and just could not convert, could not get any guys get back, uh, could, not, could not get any guys back to home. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, honestly, I, I think that was a big problem. So Justin Thompson was able to come in and do that again, but they need more guys who are going to come up or who are going to step up to the plate and make things happen because I mean, when you look at the box score to some of these games, they're just too low scoring for Texas State. They're not going to keep up with anyone if they keep that up. So, so you're saying they need uh, big clutch players to come in and save them at the end of uh, yep. of games. Yeah. Just uh, what are the positions they're excited to see or hoping to see that they can uh, find some good players in next season? Well, I know the catcher position is one that's going to be interesting to see who they bring in because for the past few years it's been Tucker Redden and. I mean, obviously I worked very closely with Tucker and um, good friend of mine now uh, due to the documentary that I did with him a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's really sad to see him go, but it's going to be interesting to see how they can fill the position. Uh, Tucker was a great, great leader for the team. And um, that's definitely one of the positions I'll be looking forward to once we get into spring training and stuff like that. Um, another player also is their first baseman, Cole Coffey. I mean, that's, that's another big hit. Um, second baseman, uh, Jackson Williams. I mean, there's a lot of holes that this team needs to fill. And I like how you mentioned the whole part of um, leaving men on base. That's literally what – every time I watch this team, that, that that's what happened. They couldn't figure out to bring – couldn't find a way to bring in those runs when they had many, many opportunities. Another thing was that um, there were some times where just errors, you know, they, they threw some errors and, and that basically just – cause them to lead or, or cause them to, you know, lose those games. So hopefully, you know, they, they can clean the, those errors up and, and just bring in some guys that can, you know, hit the ball, make contact with it and just put it, put it in play. And so, you know, we're going over, Oh, Jacob, did you have something to add? Uh, I believe that was Khalid. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so with these, 
we have a few seniors that are leaving this team. Uh, what would you say would be their 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 quote of the time they had their their uh, their highlight of the time they had the legacy they're leaving? What's the legacy that these seniors would be leaving as they leave this team? Man, you know, I think it's kind of hard to say. Like, I, I you look at the record and you say, well, this wasn't the best baseball team, but I think these were guys who played through a lot of adversity. I mean, like I said, these past two seasons, not being able to really enjoy the season like you would pre COVID is I think something that might've hurt this team a lot. They had a lot of momentum in the 2020 season or in the 2019 season before COVID and just kind of felt a little loose this time around, but I don't think it had anything to do with the seniors. I think they came in and gave it their all. Um, it was just a lot of the changes going on around them that they couldn't really handle or I guess, you know, out of their control. So I think this is going to be one of the senior classes that at least to me, I'm going to remember the most and, um, you know, enjoy the time that I did see them play, but I don't know how you guys feel about it. Um, no, I'm with you. I, I think the seniors did great. I just think that towards the, uh, the bottom of the lineup, the younger guys, some people just need to step up more. And now they're going to have to step up more to the top of the lineup now that seniors are leaving and they're going to have to become those guys because it all comes back to uh, even men on base. I mean, those seniors, those, uh, like you said, Coffee and uh, Redden, they were all, they got on base, they did their job and then just uh, kind of let up a little bit towards uh, towards the bottom of the lineup. So I feel like they did great and they just need to find younger people to, to step up and, and take their roles and take some leadership in the team. Absolutely. Well, we're covering, or we're getting towards the end of our baseball segment. So just, you know, a few little notes before we leave this year, the Bobcats finished with a 21 and 36 overall record. Um, finishing with under four, uh, 40% on the season on for their win percentage. And they also had a conference record of nine and 15. So that's something that I think the Bobcats really could improve on next semester or next season uh, is improving that conference record and going in and taking these weekend series a little more seriously. Um, because come Sunbelt conference time, if you know these teams, it's going to be a lot easier for you down easier for you down the road. Um, so I think Coach Trout's going to get this team together. I think they're going to have a good season next year. Despite losing a lot of seniors, they just got to come in and play ball. Like, we know they can. We've seen it. So those are my final thoughts. Anyone else? It's it's going to be a different year. Um, let's see what these these younger guys, what culture they bring, you know, what, what, what they want to do next year. And hopefully, like you said, I mean, they, they can win these games, these close games, these – and with the whole meaning – leaving men on base, can they, uh, you know, just get over that, that that little hump, I guess, and just not end the season with a nine-game losing streak, losing streak and, and hopefully just win games and keep adding to that and adding momentum. All right. Well, if no one else has anything to add, we could move on to, I would say, arguably the most exciting time in during the calendar year of sports and that's the NBA playoffs. And there are a lot of storylines going on. I want to know what you guys are thinking. I want to hear what you guys are, you know, seeing in the games that you guys are watching right now. So uh, 
Jacob, we'll start with you, man. What have you be, what have you been seeing from the NBA playoffs so far? And uh, what's one storyline that's intrigued you? Yeah, I love the NBA playoffs this year. I usually watch probably game six, game seven, or like closeout games of the playoffs up until conference finals. But this season, since like game one of the first round, I've been watching and every game uh, produces. And um, one team that I really want to talk about, which I think is the best team left in the Western Conference and the most exciting team to watch is actually the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I want to ask y'all, Chris Paul, I've been watching him since I was a kid and he's been in the Western Conference Finals only once. He's barely ever gets past the second round, but he wins all the time in the regular season. But this uh, Phoenix Suns team, in my opinion, looks like one of his strongest teams yet. And there's no Blake Griffin or there's no James Harden on his team to help him out. So what do y'all think Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns organization is doing to help propel this team to the next level? Well, I mean, I know I could speak for myself and just say, I think Chris Paul was really the game changer for the Suns team. Last year, they were okay. We're on the brink of making the playoffs, but Chris Paul came in and made a world of a difference for this team. And um, it just helps that he does have pieces like, you know, they might not be prime Blake Griffin and stuff, but Devin Booker's, he's pulled out his best version of himself for the, for the playoffs. And DeAndre Ayton's been playing really well. This is a team that's just really deep. When I look at this roster, Ayton, you know, got into foul trouble early in the first quarter last in last night's game. And they had Dario Saric come in and fill in for him. No problem. He played really well, hit some big threes for that team and, you know, dominant win against Denver. So Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you, Jacob. I think that the Suns are probably my favorite in the West, just the way they're playing off right now. I think it also has to do with Chris being in his prime and knowing what he needs to do now. He's had a lot of chances to to learn from his mistakes and learn from uh, around the players around him, see what they can give and what they can't give and learn the limitations of the people he has to drag around him. He knows what he needs to do now. He knows what the players around him can do. And he has players around him that can help him with his mistakes or with his downfalls, with his shortcomings. And the way they're playing against the teams that they're meeting, um, they're playing very smart and they're playing very clinical. They're not losing possessions too many times. They're not wasting chances to, to get some points. And they're playing very aggressive, which makes it makes them look like the dominant team in the West. I mean, their their defense is, is amazing. I mean, Chris Paul is just playing out of his mind. If we're being completely honest, you can put him up there as top two for MVP, although Jokic won, arguably. Um, I'd probably take CP3 as my MVP just for what he's done. I mean, look at what he did yesterday, 17 and, what, 15 assists with zero turnovers. Um, that Only 10 players have done that, and he's done that three out of 10. I mean, this guy is just playing out of his mind. He's the game manager that the Suns need. Um, and, and as you said, um, he, he he just does what he needs to do with his young squad. I mean, they got Michael Bridges, Michael Bridges, I mean, excuse me, who's, you know, playing his role and just knocking down those corner three shots in clutch moments. And the defense, like, like I said, their defense is just playing great. I mean, look at what they did last night to Mark, uh, Michael Porter Jr. The dude shot, let me see, like, really, he, he didn't shoot – you shot terrible, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he went... 34.6 field goal percentage. Exactly. And, I mean, 
you're talking about that. That's their that's their number two guy on that team. And look at what they did to him. So um, if this continues, this team is going to be, I think, well, it's not going to be, I think this team has enough firepower, enough defense to compete with mm-hmm. the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I won't say they'll win, but they have enough. And see, you know, I'm kind of happy you brought up the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I don't like the Brooklyn Nets, but I'm being as realistic as possible. It's not looking good in the East for any of the other teams, especially because Milwaukee's down 2-0, who I really thought was going to give Brooklyn, you know, at least a fight. But (laughs) Milwaukee's going down without a fight. uh, And it's not looking like either Atlanta or Philly is going to be able to take on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because, I mean, it's hard to argue against Kevin Durant being a like a top three player in the world right now. And, you know, it's it might be number one at this point because LeBron didn't look too hot in the playoffs and Kevin Durant might be the hottest player in the NBA right now. So what do you guys think about the Brooklyn Nets? Do you think it's a sustainable thing? Do you think that they can go past just this year? And I mean, who do you think is, should be given the most credit for their success? The thing I like about the Brooklyn Nets is I actually like this team. I know a lot of people are calling them a stack team and call them a pylon team, and they don't like them because they have all these big stars, but they're working well together. They have a lot of big egos in that same team, but they're not mesh. They're not fighting each other. They're working smooth. They're giving, they're passing the rock around fast. They're trusting each other when they have the ball. They're not fighting on each other's decisions. They know what each person's strengths are. They're giving them the ball, letting them do what he wants to do. When Harden has the ball, they're not fighting him. They're, tr- they're not sitting in his pocket trying to get the ball off of him. They're giving him the space to do what he needs to do. When he has a pass, he passes it. When he has a shot, he takes it. When they, when they have Kevin, uh, KD on the ball, they're letting him, they know what he can do, and they're just letting him do it. That's what I'm enjoying about watching them play is they trust each other, and they have I don't know what the management is doing to get all these big egos working together so smoothly, but I think it can be a sustainable thing that they have going because they are working so well together. They have such these big guys working together. And it's hard to see, even, even back in the day when you see all these pylon teams, they'd have issues, especially in the beginning, of getting all these big players to pass the ball and get less time with the ball at their hands. I'm not seeing that issue with Brooklyn right now. They're passing the ball well. They're defending together. They even have Harden before his injury actually going back and trying to do a little bit. I know Harden has been given a lot of flack for not defending and not moving, but with the players around him and with the strengths they got around him, he can afford to not do as much, but he's still putting in his effort. From what I've seen, he's still pushing, putting in the effort to try to get the win and get the deep defensive plays on. Yeah, I think they can hold this team up for a while. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I got to give him credit, especially... Just one guy who I saw, Blake Griffin, who now watching him completely played the Detroit Pistons for years. I mean, I thought he was he was pretty much over, but now I'm seeing him like dive on the ball, being the most physical player every single game. And I'm like, well, I guess that just shows when somebody doesn't like the team that they're on, doesn't like the organization, how that affects their play. So I got to give them credit for that. I'm just upset because it seems like the East is once again much, much weaker than the West. I mean, I would think personally the four teams left in the West all could give Brooklyn a better run for their money than Milwaukee is right now. So I just feel like they're getting an easy, pretty easy road to the finals after beating a Jalen Brownless Celtics team, sweeping Giannis, which it looks like it's going to be. And then they may even play Trey Young because Philadelphia is just not 
showing up right now. Joel Embiid is. I don't know. Dude. On a, I was gonna say Embiid <laughs> got forty against Atlanta the other night. Yeah, I can't and agree with you, Jacob. The and they got the win, bro. <laughs> yeah, I see <laughs> hey, that. Hey, I, I'll agree with you, Jacob. I, I'll agree. Thank you. With that. I, I definitely think the Hawks are, are gonna are gonna beat the Seventy Sixers. But all right, um, all right. Well, I mean, we'll talk about that in a sec, Chris, because I want to hear why you think that. But uh, Brooklyn Nets, bro, take it away. <laughs> um, so uh, a question I definitely want to ask you guys is, is KD the best player in the NBA right now? And another thing that I kind of want to give you guys is this interesting stat I found is that he is shooting uh, from the 90% of his threes in the playoffs. 90% of the threes in, uh, in the playoffs have been contested. He's shooting 50% on those threes. The dude is unguardable I mean this guy is arguably the best scorer of all time hands down and don't get me wrong uh, I I used to like well I still like KD I was a huge fan of KD and then he went to the Warriors and all that happened and I was disappointed I was like man come on KD but now you know you just you, you can't you know take away from how great these players are I mean mm-hmm. this guy is absolutely you know a hooper he shoots from anywhere he wants. He gets his shot whenever he wants and will score at will, like hands down. So, I mean, the, I think personally the Nets, you know, even with KD and, and Kyrie, look at what they're doing to the Bucks. Imagine once James Harden's back. And I'm, I'm from Houston, so I was hurt to see James Harden uh, leave. So, I mean, with James Harden back, man, it's a wrap. Well, I mean, I, I'm in agreement in agreement with you about KD, man. I think, honestly, he is so underrated on the defensive side of the ball, too. I mean, we we know he can get buckets. He's a he's a give him the ball and let him do work kind of guy because he will score in any way, whatever. You don't need to worry about his offense. He's going to be on. Defensively, he's really stepped up his game since, you know, the days in Oklahoma where, you know, I thought he was a pretty good defender, but now he just seems more... I don't know, involved in team defense and it looks and it it's showing for Brooklyn. I think that, you know, they're playing really good defense right now. They're locking down Chris Middleton and uh, Drew Holiday, too. They're having a hard time getting anything going. The only guy who's given <laughs> Brooklyn the work is Giannis and he can't do it all by himself. So, um, yeah, I think I think KD is the real deal right now. He's the number one guy on the planet. Might <laughs> might hurt some ego, some LeBron friend, uh, some LeBron fans, but I mean, KD's got everything to prove it right now, man. It's him, or I don't know. If we're talking right <laughs> now, uh, LeBron is not in the, he's not in the picture right now. So with the picture right now, all the players that are in the playoffs right now, KD seems to be the number one player. Yeah. He's he's a six foot what six foot ten. Seven foot. Let's just he's say seven, seven foot, bro. He's saying he's six about ten. He's such a seven, liar. Such a liar. He's seven foot, and with his long arms, his shooting platform is what seven five. Yep, seven six. Mm-hmm. He can shoot over anybody in the league. Over you. He and he's using that beautifully. He he can shoot from almost anywhere, and he can get around almost anyone. So anytime he has the ball and he goes for the shot, he's he. What you said? He sc- he scored the most contested. Yeah. 50% of the contested um, three-pointers, three-pointers in the league. 50%, mm-hmm. bro. That's not an exaggeration. Half of the shots he takes are with a hand in his face, and he's still and he's hitting them. them. He's still hitting them. The numbers are showing that he's number one right now, or at least in contention for number one. And that's just the numbers. I don't like to look at the numbers too much because the numbers can tell you a story, 
But yeah. then you need the rest of the story from watching the game and seeing what these players are doing. KD is, if you if you compare KD as a talisman of his team, and you compare a player in the West, you compare um, what's his name, jo- uh, Jokic, 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 Jokic. Sorry, Jokic is the talisman of his team, and he's uh, one of the best players in the West right now. But he's a quiet player. He plays. He'll he'll motivate you by what he's doing. But if the team doesn't pick up on that, there's nothing more he can do. He won't tell you. He won't tell you to push up the level. He won't ask for the 110 percent the same way that a KD would. KD will talk with his play and he'll talk with his mouth. He'll tell you what he needs you to do. He'll motivate the players around him. And I love seeing that from players because you don't see that in the numbers. You don't see what they can pull out of other players with the numbers. But mm-hmm. you can see what KD's doing on the pitch. Man. On the court, you can see him pulling the rest of the team with him, whether he's on or off the field. Great point. I think that's yeah. a great point. That really is, you know, we talk about the MVP every year. It's always the guy who puts up the greatest numbers, but sometimes the most valuable guy on the court is the guy who can get his teammates going. And mm-hmm. Kevin Durant has proven time and time again. So, well, we're running out of time, but before we go, I still need to talk about that Hawks Philly series because I mean, First off, it was a little bit of a surprise to me that Atlanta, I mean, they took game one and looked like no one was going to stop them because they were just, they were talking so much and they just seemed like, oh, the, like they just seemed like the villains. You didn't want to root for them. But Trey Young is just so exciting to me. I think Trey Young is a super cool player, super good player. And then Philly came back in game two and and B just put up monster numbers. So I think this is going to be a really fun series overall, but I just don't see how if Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and those guys are healthy, how Philly doesn't take this in the next three games. I feel like Jacob like- was saying, he was saying, Jacob was saying that every game in this playoffs is exciting. And I, I'm, I feel that about what he was saying. What do you, what are you thinking about these two games, Atlanta, Philadelphia? What do you think Jacob? Well, I think like you said, if they can stay healthy, I feel like that's their biggest thing. I feel like before every single game, you're sitting there on Twitter seeing if Joel Embiid is, you know, he's always like a game time decision, which always, if they say that you're going to play Joel Embiid, but you just never know if, you know, he can land wrong once. And if he's already pretty injured, you know, it could be the season for him. So I think whether they're injured or healthy, it's going to go to six, seven games and um, just props to Trey Young. I mean, he's by himself out there, really. Uh, Clint Capella has done a pretty good job at playing against Embiid. It's really hard considering second in MVP votes. You're not going to stop Embiid, but uh, I got to say good for Clint Capella. He's, especially in game one, played a very good game against him, very physical. But props to Trey Young because he's, I did not expect him to do what he's been doing this uh, playoff series, but it'll be fun. And it's only getting harder. I know Chris has got something to say, bro. It's only getting harder for Trey Young because DeAndre Hunter is now out for the series, oh, which yeah. is, I think, a big, big loss for the Hawks. Um, so, Chris, let me ask you. You can also go on your rant. I know I feel something coming, bro. You're about to let it all out. Um, out of these two teams, if you had to bet money on one of them, who do you think has a better chance of beating Brooklyn? In the man, East? come on, man. Oh, who, oh, oh uh, who has a better chance of beating Brooklyn? Who has a better Brooklyn? chance of beating Brooklyn? Um... Honestly, none, but if I have to pick one, <laughs> if I have to pick one, um, it'll probably, I mean, I want to say the 76ers, but I mean, I, 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 I just don't think that 
76ers are going to beat the Hawks. And a, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, Trey Young, you know, they're finally watching him. And yeah, people are finally seeing what Trey Young is really about. And that's because the media hasn't put any games on ESPN or on TNT featuring the Hawks. So a lot of people have not seen what Trey Young has been doing all year. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like, come on, guys, wake up. And then there's this whole thing of Luca and Trey of who's better. And it's just like, no, they're both really good. And if you're not watching, if you're not seeing what Trey Young is doing now, then you should wake up and realize how good this guy is. And I mean, last game they lost. And unfortunately, Trey Young just didn't have his best game. I mean, he he got 21 and 11. That's still good. But I mean, he, he, he didn't shoot so well. And Ben Simmons was, you know, playing great defense on him and they were trapping him and they were doing all this other stuff. But coming game three, let's see how this young Hawks team is able to, you know, realize, not realize, but figure out what they can do better from game two, you know, because game two, you know, they, they kind of figured them out a little bit. Can game three, can they step it up and be like, all right, so this is what they did. Now let's fire back and see what we can do. I mean, Bogdanovich has been playing amazing. Yeah. Trey Young has been playing amazing. I mean, and, and like Jacob said, Embiid is going to do Embiid things at the end of the day. The guy is a MVP caliber player. And at the end of the day, can he stay healthy? Because if he if, if he doesn't stay healthy, man, this is it's a wrap. I'm sorry, but it, it's going to be a wrap. I mean, who who who's going to be on, on that Philadelphia team? Who's going to carry them at the end of the day? I I just I don't see it. All right, guys. Well, we're running out of time. We got a we got a little bit of time left. So, real quickly, just one word responses from everybody. I'm going to ask y'all. Today is ter- is currently June 10th. So we are here on a Thursday recording this episode. I want to ask y'all predictions, just real quick. Nets, Bucks. Jacob, go first. Nets. Going Nets. It hurts her, it say Nets. Easy call, Nets. Definitely the Nets. All right. Which will give the Nets a three-game uh, three series lead over the Bucks. I think nothing's really going to be happening for the Bucks. So now moving on to Clippers Jazz. This series is a little more interesting. Didn't talk about it very much on the show, but let's hear y'all's picks for game two tonight. Um, For game two, they're in LA still, right? Yeah, they're in LA. Or actually, no, they're, Utah, they're, they're in Utah. Utah. Yep. Oh, gotcha. Um, now nah, I'll still say Clippers tonight, but Utah for the series. All right. I'll say that. Uh, I'm going to go Clippers for the series. I don't know if they're going to win tonight, but I think Clippers are going to take the series for some reason. I'm going to go Clippers. Michael Conley's out. I think Paul George comes out this game and just kills it. All right. And those are our predictions. So thank you guys for listening to Claws to the Wall, KTSW Sports Podcast, and the production from four of your favorite staff members at KTSW. So again, Thank you guys for listening to Close to the Wall. Make sure you guys subscribe and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. And uh, leave us a like. It'll help out a lot. So thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you all on the next episode.